0: Things first. Thank you for being here. If this is your first time here at this meeting, this is not typical of this meeting. We usually we've had really good crowds actually lately, uh, and uh, so I'm a little bit um, just. Maddie, do you mind? As people come in, we uh, I'm a little bit uh, sad that we. I think the weather. And then there's a bunch of people still over there. I don't know what they're doing, but they'll get here eventually. So we're gonna but we're gonna get started. Uh, so we call this Vision Dinner. And one of the things that I say all the time is we are very unimaginative in our church. We call it vision dinner because we do two things: we eat dinner, and then we talk about vision. the The Bible says that where where there is no vision, the people perish, and the word means unravel. So, literally, um, one of the things I think the scriptures keening us into there is what keeps us united, headed towards the same, you know, goal. is Is an, a sense of who are we? What are we called to do? Why are we here? What's our What's our job? What's the work we're trying to get done? And there's something about our hearts that we are prone to get started and then in the middle forget the reasons why we get started and and get sidetracked for whatever uh, reason. And so what we've been doing for five years now as we've planted this church and continued down that road is we've been meeting on the second Wednesday of every month to just take some time to say, hey, let's remember uh, why we said we wanted to do this to begin with and then hit some pertinent uh, details uh, that have come up wherever we might be in whatever stage of, of growth or strategy or whatever might be in the church. And so for the next few weeks, what we want to do, uh, next few weeks, next few months as we meet together, uh, these are really meant to be kind of town hall meetings, and what I would like to do is I'd really like to take the next two or three, four months uh, to really talk about this, uh, this vision that we have for church planting Uh, particularly as we're going to try to do it. So um, I want to talk about what we mean a little bit, start to talk tonight anyway, a little bit about what we mean by multi-congregational approach, church planting. Now, there are very few of you here, so what I say and I need to say again tonight is part of the reason, uh, well, part of the work that I need you to be willing to do is to help be a conveyor of the things we're going to talk about tonight. Because this is important and and what's frustrating here's an insight into what's frustrating about a pastor is I will have to answer thirty five questions about the stuff I'm talking about tonight because because people aren't I can't get people to meetings and so please just help me uh, to be conveyors of this because this is going to be important it's going to be there's a lot of questions that are surrounding exactly what we're doing there's questions about Jeff he's a little bit questionable to begin with. <laughs> just kidding uh, and so it's a big it's a big part of a, the ministry of our church and, and what we want to be, so it's important, and so just help me communicate the things we talk about tonight as best you can. The other thing I wanted to do, is I wanted to introduce you to my friend who's here, Dave Martin, and his, one of his uh, elders at his church, Robin Young, so Dave is the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, right, a part of our network uh, of churches, um, a little bit of a different scenario with their plant from Trinity, but they came out of Trinity as well, uh, and so Dave meets with the pastors uh, on Wednesdays, and uh, we pre- hes they are preaching the same stuff we're preaching. One of the four churches that does that. So he's a dear friend, and they wanted to come tonight. So welcome, guys. Glad you're here. We love you guys. We love your church. Pray for you. So I'm glad to have you. Okay. Um, having said that, if you see there on the pa- on the on the piece of paper that I gave you. Uh, one of the things that we want to do is call ourselves back to uh, what have been our mission and uh, vision statements from the beginning of our church, but they've, they've morphed and begun to uh, to change, and, and, and not change, but but kind of be added to, and we're, we're, we're what's the word I want to, building on uh, the things that we've said in the past, and you'll see here I've, I've added another little piece that's not official yet, but at least it gets to what we want to talk about tonight. If you were to boil down what we believe our mission to be, in other words, what it is that God has called and sent us to do in the city that he's called us to, this is how we would say it. We believe our mission is to make Jesus' invisible kingdom visible in Winter Haven, Polk County, and the world. And then what we say is that this will require that we be a praying community of Jesus' disciples. And this is the part that I've added. Gathered in multiple congregations throughout the city who embody the truth of the gospel and spread the gospel in both word and deed. One people sharing life together, a holy people telling the story of our salvation, and then a people on mission serving our neighbors. Now, if we are successful and faithful to that that mission, these are the things that we believe we will begin to see happen. And if you're new to our church... Or, or if you're not new to our church, but you, you may have, you know, be wondering, what is it we're trying to accomplish? Here, here is the basic, here's the basic structure of what we would hope every, uh, the experience of every single person in our church would be. First, that, and, from, and these aren't necessarily one, two, three in order, but most of the time, uh, well, in, in most cases, it really does happen this way. That first, we hope that the first kind of experience that you would have is that you would find us or that we would at least provide opportunities for people to experience gospel community. Because the promise of the gospel is is a new people, a people who are rightly related to God and one another and and, and participate in the ongoing work of God in the world. So the first thing, we want to be gospel people. Does that make sense? I mean, we want the the gospel of Jesus Christ to be so central to who we are, so shaping and forming us as individuals, not just as individuals, but as a community of people so that we live as a community of faith, a gospel community, a city, inside a city that operates on a totally different value system and priority system and practice, you know, totally different practices than the city in which we live. Does that make sense? So if the gospel is at the center of our life, not only individually but as, uh, as a people, uh, will be a community of people that practice the, the spiritual disciplines of reconciliation, hospitality, who show grace to one another, who do not treat one another according to as our sins deserve, because God and Jesus has not treated us as our sins deserve. And so the gospel itself will shape us as, in a particular way as a holy people, a city within the city uh, in which we live. And, and that really is foundational, kind of the first step that we desire to see happen as people come into our church and experience it. But secondly, not only gospel community, but then we believe that a, a, a true experience of gospel community will lead to a reality of gospel transformation. So we not only want to be, and don't make fun, of this is the old Baptist preacher in me, this is how, you know, just comes to, when you've been doing this for a long time, it just kind of comes to you this way. But not only do we want to be gospel people, but we want, to, we want people to experience gospel power. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, Paul says that the, that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And he says, I'm not ashamed of it because it is power. We believe, we believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is power to change lives and to change a people and to change families and to change a city ultimately. And so we, we really do believe uh, that as people come and begin to experience gospel community, uh, then, then that through through the worship of our church, through the experience of community groups, through training opportunities and discipleship and bible studies and this kind of thing that we will begin to see people have a, have an experience of gospel power, gospel transformation. But then lastly, so gospel community leading to an experience of gospel transformation which will result ultimately in gospel multiplication. And what we mean by that is we want we want people to become gospel people to experience gospel power and then when you, when you begin to experience that, that gospel power, this transformation of your life, what happens, I think the Bible is very clear, is that your, your life begins to take on a gospel pattern. Okay? And what I mean by that is, Jesus, Philippians 2 tells us, left heaven for earth. Though he was God, he did not consider equality with God something to be held, held on to, right? Made himself nothing, became obedient to death, even death on upon a, a cross. And then, God, and then Paul goes on to say he raised him up you know, because of that. And, and, and in the same way Jesus would say to us, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, do you know what the rest of the verse says? It bears much fruit. And so, I mean, hear me, we believe, we believe the only way the gospel can go forward from this place is through uh, this process of death, and then out of death resurrection. And what it means is, is community groups have to die to what's comfortable in order to be multiplied, and see life go beyond the group. Right, uh, relationships—you have to say goodbye to people that you love in order to make room for other people to, to get to experience the things that you've get, gotten to experience with one another. And so, it's this process of, of a really a call into death, and part of. Part of that movement into death that creates a multiplication effect is the idea of planting uh, churches. Okay, So church planting is a part of that gospel multiplication. So everybody with me so far? I mean, that is my 10-minute, here's-what-our-church-is kind of thing, right? We've tried to simplify that as much as possible. So uh, gospel people that experience gospel power that that then lead a life that is after a gospel pattern. I'll turn the page over, and I want to talk in the remaining time that we have about... Uh, a, multi, a vision for a multi-congregational approach to church planting. We, we believe that when we planted this church five years ago, we knew that our, our dream and our goal was not just to plant one church, it was to plant a church that would plant churches as we had been planted by a church that had been planted. And so you'll see there that I want to just go through these, these three things, four things. The need for church planting from the beginning, our growth strategy, has been church planting. And I've said this over and over again, but I you know It bears repeating. In other words, we wanted to grow through multiplication of churches, not by adding services, okay? Multiplying churches and congregations. And this is our core belief that the continual planting of new congregations is the single most important strategy for first the numerical growth of the church in a city, and secondly, also for the continual corporate renewal of the existing churches in the city. And the research proves that. And I could give you the research if you're if you're interested. So our goal all along has been to multiply and to grow numerically, which is one sign, not the only sign, but one sign of spiritual health, that as we grow, to grow through multiplication into other churches and congregations. Does everybody understand that? Right? Have I, Hopefully, have I been clear over the years about that? Right? So whereas other churches would say, okay, we've been full, we're full, we need to go to a second service. Two years ago, our our elders... Reach the place where we realized we're just about at capacity and so we need to do something else and instead of just doing what would have been typical of just hey let's add a service uh, let's do a second service we realize when you create a second service you're really creating a church within a church and it doesn't nearly feel as strategic as hey let's plant something new and so we wanted to plant something new we hired somebody uh, the first time we did that it didn't it didn't pan out well and then and we've kind of stayed that that process so what you see is is, is really the for the first, for the first three years, our, the growth of the church went like this, and then for the last two, it's basically been it's basically kind of maybe, maybe creeped up a little more like that. And so during this period of probably two years, we have intentionally not done things that might, that might allow us to grow beyond where we are now, because we have a very specific strategy of how we want that growth to occur, and it's through the process of church planting. Does that make sense? Anybody have any questions about that? Or thoughts. Remember town hall meeting. No. Okay. Okay. Um, the goal then, if that, if that's, if so, if that's our desire is to see that kind of growth happen through this process of church planting, then what is the goal? And here, you, you, um, I, some of you don't know me, um, well, but I, I, I have. I have been made fun of and also kind of been looked at as strange uh, for the fact that I'm 38 and, uh, and I literally, I've given it to you actually in this meeting before, but I literally have a document on my computer that's a 50-year vision for the city of Winter Haven and for our work here. And, uh, and part of that 50 year so I'm thinking way out, okay, but, but if you want to nail me down to a goal, what is the goal for the church planning arm of our church, here's the way I would say it right now. Uh, the following is our working goal. Do you see that there for now? Uh, a congregation in each of the four quadrants of the city with a total attendance of 1,000 people. Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean by that? So if you're new... Oh, this I hate when these things don't erase the way they're supposed to. This is a brand new board, isn't it pretty? Not anymore. It's ruined now. But if you think about Winter Haven one of the things that we've observed and if you lived here for any time you know that the, that the city really breaks down into these four quadrants and one of the things that we observed five years ago when we planted this church was is if you think about the difference between southeast and Northwest or or north you know really southeast and any all of those different quadrants really have it's very similar you guys in Lakeland to North Lakeland South Lakeland and then everything that's kind of in the middle but Winter Haven breaks up in the, into these quadrants, and each of those quadrants is very different, right? You with me? You follow me? I mean, they have a very different feel, very different types of people, very different needs and and, and whatnot. And so part of what we said is, okay, our immediate goal then is that we could figure out how to take this one church that's like right here and grow it to where we have a presence in each of these four quadrants. Does that make sense? Follow me? Questions? What? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, yes. We're, we are, I mean, our address is southeast. And probably nine, uh, that's not fair. 60% of the people who come here are from the southeast quadrant of the city, probably. Maybe more than that. I, that would be an interesting thing to figure out half, maybe. But what we'd love to see is we'd love to see that multiply out into four quadrants, four different congregations with a thousand people total in attendance between those things. Because what we believe is, is when we can get, and I know that sounds very church growth and numbers driven, and the only reason it is, is because one of the things for us, for Brad, for us to really get the work that Brad's wanting to see happen done in the city, we need, we need a certain groundswell of people and resources and common vision towards some of the things that we want to see happen in the city. So, we need a certain amount of resources and raw materials to get some of that work done. Like, obviously, it's totally different socioeconomic situations in those four quadrants. Yes. So, when we plan a Turk, is it going to be a little different in the sense that we ne- maybe monetarily don't necessarily cut it totally loose? Because, I mean. No, that's what I'm, I'm getting to that. No, yeah, <laughs> that, that's right. When I say for now, this is our goal, because what would happen is, is let's say you let's say you send a church out to to Northwest. Well, then you've got all these little pockets of people out there, right? You've got Inwood. Did that get a whoop whoop from somebody? Wow, <laughs> right? And then and then and then you you know you've got so you could figure out. And so how does this church, eventually, how does this church also figure out how to launch into a, into a uh, place like that? Down here, you've got um, Eloise, and then beyond that, you've got Juanita, and I just go ahead and tell you, this group of people is never going to reach Juanita. No, come on. But if you got a church down there that began to build relationships that can maybe, it's like a supply line, do you see what I'm saying? to some of these other places and so we'd love to, and, and we'd love to see that happen and then eventually our ultimate goal would be if you're if you're going to Northwest and you keep going northwest where do you end up Auburndale and so we would love to think about and here's Bartow, and here's Haines City and here's Lake Wales and so we'd, we'd ultimately love to, f- to think about all those places but if you ask me what right now we've said four churches four congregations one in each quadrant of the city with a total attendance of a thousand people and we would say Lord Jesus give us that because again, we need we need the we need the people, we need the resources, we need the the raw materials, uh, and all those kinds of things to get some of the, that stuff done. Now, here's the question: what we're going, what I'm going to argue for, what we're going to start to talk about tonight is what we mean by a, congreg- a multi congregational model of doing this. So I asked the question: why why a multi congregational model? And, and here's how I answer that: is that the multi congregational model is a middle ground between doing simply a second service, which we've already talked about. And what we would call a traditional church planning scenario. The difference being that the new church would continue to exist and function under the leadership structure and vision and values of Redeemer instead of having as its goal to become its own self-governing body. Which is what we we, we refer to that as particularization. Okay, that This new congregation may eventually decide to particularize but, it, but it would not have to have that as a goal from the beginning. I don't want to lose anybody. Does everybody understand that? So Trinity sent us here... Our first job was we had to train elders so that we could have our own governing session of elders completely independent of what's happening over in, well, not completely independent, but for the most part, independent of what's going on over there. We're talking about planting churches, uh, congregations, but those congregations would still, even as they're in all these different places, they would still comprise one church. Questions? So these, these congregations would continue to exist. This, I think this answers your question, Maddie. It would continue to exist and function under the leadership structure and the vision and values of Redeemer instead of having as its goal to become its own self-governing body. So it would have its own budget, but, but that budget would be part of a larger budget of the entire thing. So there would be an administrative hub, and, all the, and I'll, I'll explain some of this in just a minute. Now here are a few of my, my reasons just off the top of my head in the hour I had this afternoon to talk to, to think about this in my office. Here are a few of the reasons why I think this is a great way to do this. First, it's the fastest, most cost-effective way to plant churches. Uh, I had to raise a quarter of a million dollars to plant this church. You want to do that? (laughs) It cost about a quarter of a million dollars to plant this church, and that's on the low end. Uh, Ben Turner, who's planting a church... In Parker Street uh, neighborhood in in Lakeland, has raised six hundred thousand dollars to plant that church. That's a lot of money, and he did it. And it's amazing. I mean, it's an amazing thing that he did. But we but we want to think about how to be cost effective. We also want to think about how to how to do it because see we're full. And here's the way this is going to work. We're hoping that when Jeff launches. Uh, we will give away 50, 75 people, however many people decide to go. If we give away 50 people, this is my experience when I was at Trinity and whatever. If we give away 50 people within three months, we'll have gained those 50 people back. It's just the way it works. God just, bless, you know, God loves to bless those who align their purpose with his. and that's how, So how do we do this in a, you know, fast enough to continue to allow growth to happen is one of the things we have to think about. Secondly, it helps the plant, or I can say from personal experience... Most, plan, what, what most planters, if you ask planters what the work they want to do, they want to preach. But what they need to be doing is evangelism. And so one of the things it would do is it would help the planter by allowing him to focus on evangelism and, and, and the, the formation of the church as a community instead of all of the administration and preaching that goes along with starting a new church. This is just, again, a few of my thoughts. Third, it allows for the best possible incarnational approach to the to ministry in the city. In other words... If Southwest is really different than Southeast, then sending somebody to Southwest allows for an for a, um, approach to ministry to the people who live in that part of the city that will most fit who they are. Which, is, which is, sounds like the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. We want to move into the neighborhood. And then lastly, and this probably isn't as important to most of you as it would be to maybe me, but it's very Presbyterian. And I think it's also very much like the New Testament model. When Paul wrote uh, his letters, when Paul wrote his letter to the Philippians, he didn't write, to the church on the corner of First and Central in the city of Philippi. Well, Who did he write it to? To the church in Philippi. Right? A church in a city. And so I do think there's something to be said about that. Now, here's the last question. What will then, this is what we want to kind of flesh out in the coming, week, coming weeks and months. What will a multi-congregational model look like then? So the following is what I would envision. One church, multiple congregations, okay? So let's take this one at a time. So in many ways, when Jeff, when, just, just, let's just assume, when Jeff and the core group that's going to go with Jeff and Marissa, when they launch out, the, here are some of the ways that we would continue to function as one church, okay? We've talked, and, and all, these are not in stone, right? I mean, this is kind of like, it's in flux. Everything's in flux all the time. But, but these are some of the things. We would still love to do vision dinners together, corporate prayer together. So there would be times for us to get back together. Every fifth Sunday, which there's four of those a year, we'd love to have some special event probably in the evening where we would gather everybody back together, right? So either it's ordaining, elders, or just whatever. Celebrating, you know, having times for us to get back together. We would, lo- I would love on special things like Easter and Christmas Eve... Uh, if, we have, if we have a thousand people in four different congregations, I would love to have a Christmas Eve service at Normale Hall and pack a thousand people in that place and all be together to do that. Right? We couldn't do that here at this building. Yeah, it only, well, it didn't hold 450. It holds about 350, maybe. Uh, officer training and these kinds of things. We, um, we intend to do seminars three times a year, a Gospel in the Heart seminar. Gospel and Community and the Gospel in the World seminar. We brought Paul Miller in last year. If you remember that, we're probably gonna, you know, we're gonna be doing these kinds of things where we bring some people in and do a weekend long kind of seminar, retreat type things. I didn't put like men's retreats that sort of thing, but any of these kind of training events, we would love to do those things together. Uh, classes like parenting class, those would be things that we share uh, and and do together. Also, we we really believe that uh, if we have four congregations. Within a within a city of a with a thousand in them instead of having four different student ministries that it would be more cost effective and and just a better use of resources to have one citywide youth ministry that all the different um, teenagers from all the different churches could be a part of Similar to children's ministry, we want, I mean, we want to think about things like Vacation Bible School in Awana, but we don't want each of, we don't want to send Jeff, it, we're in year five, and we've not even, I mean, every time I, VBS, it's like people break out in hives and rashes and stuff, right, because it's just like, how, no, 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 you know, but what if in year, what if, what if in two years, in year two for them, we had, we had the ability, right, to do a Vacation Bible School because we have enough people where we can work together to make that happen, does that make sense? Do you see what I'm trying to get at? So ways for us to still operate as one church. A preaching schedule. I'm, I'm assuming that Jeff's going to just preach what we're preaching. I don't. That's not a, like a mandate, but <laughs> or we're going to preach whatever you preach, right? So we would continue to do that. There'd be a lot of synergy in that. But the one of the big things is is administrative functions. One of the positions that we're trying to hire this year, and we're not sure exactly what that's going to look like, but we want to hire an administrator type person, not only to help with facilities and and finances and um, payroll and that sort of thing here, but for all of the different congregations that we're going to plant eventually too, right? So a lot of the administrative stuff will be handled, and, and the people who go with Jeff can just go out there and, and do the work that they're called to do. Uh, pastoral staff, in many ways, one of the weird things about our um, denominational the way we do things in our denomination is, is if if we're if we are multi-congregational, then this then this congregation of people that goes with Jeff say this is a congregation out here, uh, because I because I am still a pastor to those people, and in the same way, Jeff is still a Jeff will take vows on March thirty first, Lord willing, he will take vows to this group of people. So even though he's out there and he's the pastor of this particular group of people, he is still also. By his vows, the pastor of this people over here. So there's a way in which we've got to share pastoral responsibility and things like preaching. So one of the things we've talked about is uh, a rotation of, uh, you know, Jeff Jeff preaching two or three times a month, and then Jonathan and I filling in otherwise, and Jeff being back here once a month and us really sharing that. But but at the same, you see where it gets kind of. But at the same time the bulk of the pastoral care and and shepherding of people would be whoever the, the person is that's the pastor of that con- congregation. So it's kind of a both-and. Does that make sense, or is that just completely confusing? And then, and then the big thing is, we would talk about there being one session, so there would be elders from all those different congregations that would all be on one session making decisions. Now, but how would they, then if that's how we would be one church, how would we, we also have this identity as multiple, multiple congregations? Well, obviously, in corporate worship, we would be gathered in different places. Uh, or maybe to begin with, at this place, but in different times. Each of those congregations would have their own community group structure. So what we would love to see is this, this congregation has all these, these different, right, community groups. And then this one has a cluster of community groups. You see what I'm saying? And each congregation has their own kind of community group structure that that really is the shepherding arm and the community arm of the of the church uh, what we envision also is uh not, even though there may be a children's ministry that encompasses the whole thing every single one of these at least you know and talk to Ashley about this because she did it for us when we started uh, when you have worship that first Sunday who's watching kids and who's making sure there's people to watch kids and how's that I mean that is a lot of work so every one of the congregations would have kind of their own children's ministry person for the Sunday A.M. stuff. The shepherding, obviously, would take place uh, on the local level. Discipleship and Bible studies probably would as well. And then, obviously, evangelism, uh, you know, is going to look different in whatever places you go to. But do you see how we're trying to envision what it looks like for us to be one church, but then at the same time, congregations that are located in a certain part of the city that would all have a, a specialized, strategic philosophy of ministry for the place they've been sent? Now, thoughts? I would, but I would not, I, I would never, I when Tim Rice planted in, in downtown Lakeland, he man, he gave his core group, he said, you have three years to move in, right, and I don't know, I'm sure people. there are still people that didn't, so I think what we would want to say is, what we read in Hebrews 2 yesterday, dang it, I need somebody to pull it up. Uh, Jesus had to be made like his brothers so that he could be a faithful high priest, basically. In other words, he had to experience what we experience in order to, to minister to us faithfully. I think there's something to be said about being with the people that you're called to. And so while we wouldn't make it a rule, if, if, if we send a church to Southwest, if I was going, I would love to challenge those people, hey, come move. Move here and be with us. Let's go take that part of the city. So... So that's, that's, an, but that's an issue of effectiveness, right? You see what I'm saying? Because, uh, Trinity is planting, I told you, Trinity's planting in Parker Street neighborhood, which is literally about a quarter of a mile from their front doorstep. But they have to because none of the people in that neighborhood want to come to their church. It's too much of a cultural leap for them because they're all African American. They're not educated. Uh, you know. And, and so they're planting because in order to reach those people, even though it's just literally within walking distance, it's got to be something so different that it will that it'll meet the needs of those people. We're talking about doing that on a little bit bigger level, you know, thinking about quadrants like that. But even within the quadrant, whatever church we plant, well, down here, whatever church gets planted in the southwest is probably going to have to have the same strategy of going to a place like Juanita to say, we're probably not going to reach that place. We're going to have to figure out how to... Hablo Espanol. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts, Questions? Good. Yeah, and just coverage. I mean, in so many ways, coverage that just gives you, insulates you from a lot of the things that are really scary in traditional church planting scenario. Thoughts? uh, Any ideas? Worries? Concerns? Fears? Yeah, it it has. Uh, It's, it, people are moving, particularly in Presbyterian circles, believe it or not, because like I said, it is really Presbyterian because we don't believe in the autonomy of the local church. We believe the churches should be working together and and helping one another. And so uh, there's, a, there's a network of guys in Jacksonville called Christ Church that is doing it really effectively. That, that we Probably Jeff and I are going to go sit down with them. We want to really model a lot of what we're doing after them. Uh, they're doing it in Brooklyn, in New York. In Brooklyn, uh, the guys in Brooklyn, in the borough of Brooklyn, uh, they have identified 78 different neighborhoods in Brooklyn. And, they, and their goal is to plant a church in every neighborhood. Now, in Brooklyn, a neighborhood is like a square block. But in a square block in Brooklyn, there may be 80,000 people. In a block, and they change, and, and I mean, and, and people group up, and, and the demographic changes. You could walk literally 200 yards, and it's a completely different graphic than it was when you were 200 yards back. And so they've identified these different neighborhoods, and their 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 dream is to have a congregation in every neighborhood that tailors to that neighborhood. Now it's nothing like that here, but the, but the but the but the idea is similar. Harbor. Harbor Church and San San Diego's done this, so yeah. There's some other there's some other people we're modeling this after. Yes, me. Yeah. Right. And they like six right. Yeah. Yeah. What were you we gonna say? Well, the the next thing. Well, yeah, sure. Well, I don't know. Probably is not. I would say every two years is probably more realistic because the issue is going to be we found a wonderful guy. Who's next? Right. And it's just a matter of it's just a matter of finding those men. And I mean, and I'm doing that work. That's a lot of the work that I'm doing is helping to identify and train guys who can do this kind of stuff. But it'd be dependent upon things like that. One one more thing. Anybody else? Because it's seven and I promised I'd be done at seven because the women are supposed to have a Bible study. This isn't the last time we get to talk about this, okay? It's just beginning to whet your appetite for the kinds of things we need to be, conversations we need to be having. I believe we did tape it. I, I believe we did tape it. Um, Blake is saying that we did tape it I, I don't know, it probably will be it will be interesting to look, to listen back on it and see if it is actually helpful in the way that it was taped, but I'm going to write I'm also going to write this out and make it available on the website as well, just so that people can see the kind of thing we're talking about but this is good work, man, I'm really excited this is a lot of the work that I mean that we're doing because this is where we're going to see the gospel for, really bear fruit, I think in us and through us in the parts of the city that we try to go to. So this is the work, cheer Jeff on and Marissa on, this is the work they're trying to do. The goal, we haven't made a timetable for this yet, but the goals that they will be, create. you know, that they, the work they're trying to do is kind of develop a, a you know, a network and a, and a group of people that would be willing to think about going to, you know, out from this place to another part of the city. But again, part of what the recruiting tool that he gets to use is, look, we're not leaving, we're just, we're, we're not like, it's not like you can't be friends with anybody once you leave, Right. We're still a part of that church. We're just going over here and trying to trying to get stuff done over here. We'll still be connected back to the other thing. So great. Well, thanks for being here on a rainy night. I really appreciate it. I know it's bad, bad, you know, bad weather outside, and I'm grateful for your for your willingness to come participate. Let me pray and then I'll dismiss this. And I think ladies, y'all are gonna stay in here for the Bible study came, is that right? <laughs> Conference room? Okay. Well if you no, but I have a DVD player in my office, and, and, and somebody can watch a DVD in my office if you need. We can find some place for them if you want to stick them. So, Father, help us uh, to do this work. We cry out, Lord Jesus, help us. Uh, because this is, this is something that we need for you to do. And so, give us uh, the energy and the resources that we need. Thank you for raising up Jeff and Marissa. and Raise up many more men uh, that we can send out. Uh, and, and we just look forward to the day uh, when we can say of Winter Haven, that uh, our city is covered with the glory of God, uh, the way the waters cover the sea. That's our hope, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you. Appreciate your being here tonight.